This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. You're listening to Awesome Etiquette, which is proud to be a part of the Infinite Guest Network. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning from the Emily Post Institute. So after much not traveling in my <laughs> life, I've not traveled near or far recently, I am actually getting kind of a big travel week. I'm headed to uh, first down to New Orleans for the Saints 49ers game on Sunday. Ooh. I know. I'm like, I'm so excited. This is my first game in the Dome. I'm, my best friend Nick is coming with me. Like, I can't wait for this. And then while I'm down there, I'm going to get to meet my goddaughter. And then I go straight from New Orleans to New York City for an Airbnb uh, spokesperson campaign. I'm going to be hosting a party down in New York City with Spike Mendelson from Top Chef. I'm like, I'm like, re- this is like a big week. Yeah. But the the truth of the matter is, I need your advice because okay. the the big thing that I don't kind of know is. So I'm meeting my goddaughter. It's not, uh, no, there was no ceremony. Mm-hmm. There's no official baptism. But I am her honorary godmother, and I want to know because you're a god, you're a godfather. Like, of course. Well, first of all, congratulations. Thank you. It, I'm really, really excited about it. It really is. It's an honor and a privilege. Someone, when a new parent wants you to be a part of their kid's life, that's a really yeah. special thing. And as you know, I had that experience recently with my niece Stella Grace, and she's amazing. And it's been so much fun to get to know her just over the first year of her life, and to think about knowing her for the next 18, 20, hopefully longer than that. I was gonna say. <laughs> And, <laughs> 40, 50. <laughs> um, and, and it really is. I think that's one of the reasons it's such a big honor that this is this is something that's not just a flash in the pan, but it's going right. to be with you. So, so again, congratulations on that, as Thank well you. as the Saints and New York City. <laughs> yeah, no, this is gonna this is gonna be a really fun week. But what did so like, you know, I know gifts are typical. What did you wind up doing for Stella Grace? Because yeah, I, I need ideas. Um, a very smart person gave me a tip and said, think about a gift that is something that you could that you could grow over time. And for some people, that might be a little account with some money in it. For someone else, it might be a necklace that's got charms that you could add to each year. Oh, okay. Maybe it's even something as, as nice as if you wanted to go there, a string of pearls that you added a pearl to each year. And oh, nice. by the time they're 18, it has become a graduation yeah, present that's a nice a string of pearls and, and might not break the bank at any one particular year, <laughs> right. but over time really accrues into a nice a, a nice, nice gift. gift. And I loved that idea, and I went with something along those lines for, nice. for my goddaughter. But the other piece of advice that I would really yeah. give is to think about how you are going to approach that child as they grow up and really make yourself available to them as someone that they can come to 
when they they need an ear or would like an ear or just might want some sound advice mm-hmm. and and it's a special relationship and it can be a religious relationship you might want to be prepared for the christening or the baptism right and they said they're not going to do that this is this is honorary but good to check in with the parents cuz right. they they're going to have some direction to offer about that whatever that is and oftentimes these days it's it's not necessarily a religious role but it's it's an honor <laughs> do so, you have godparents I do have a godparent, and I'm just one. Yep, as I'm putting together the guest list for the wedding, she's on it, (laughs) and I think of her as that. And when I run into her at a local play or hockey game, it's it's a real treat to introduce her her as a godmother. Absolutely. When Estelle told me that I could be the godmother, I was just like over the moon, and I even remember being like, "So, even though you're not doing a baptism, is this like?" official like she'll know me as this person or is this like you're an auntie lizzie and she goes no 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 it's okay it can be official it's like okay good because i'd be really good at this i have two really good godparents <laughs> and, and <laughs> kind of showed me the way it is such a spe- i can feel your enthusiasm I'm really it's re- and it is really nice it's yeah. it's um congratulations once again i know i've said it before but thank you very much <laughs> and now how about we get to some listener questions i think that's a great idea you're <laughs> <laughs> right there's so much to learn how to do. Sure, there's a lot to learn, but it's worth it. And learning is easy. One way is by watching others. On every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. This question comes from Rachel in San Francisco, and she writes, Dear Lizzie and Dan, I really enjoy listening to Awesome Etiquette. I first started listening to your etiquette advice on Dinner Party Download and was so excited to learn that you were starting your own podcast. Well, 
Thank you, Rachel. Thank you kindly, Rachel. On your first episode, I believe you suggested that people write in with ways in which they would like to see etiquette evolve, which brings me to a situation I struggle with. Growing up, my dad always opened doors for my mom and me, and what I learned was that it's considerate to open the door for the people that you're walking with. As a woman, though, I run into difficulty when I open doors for men. With my boyfriend, I do let him arrive at the door first and hold it open for me because I know it's important to him to do these types of chivalrous things for me. I also very much enjoy being treated as a lady when we go out together. However, in my professional and non-romantic relationships, I'd like to be able to hold the door for a male friend or colleague as a sign of courtesy. Many times, though, when I get to the door first and hold it open, men will refuse to let me hold the door for them. In order to not get into a politeness standoff, I defer and let the man hold the door for me. But I'd like to be able to show my male friends and colleagues the same courtesy that they show me. Is this a situation where it's time for etiquette to evolve, or should I accept that men are not yet ready to let women hold the door open for them in non-romantic relationships? Rachel, thanks for the good question. It's a good question. <laughs> and, and I would say in, in, in direct answer to your question that not only is this a situation where it's time for etiquette to evolve, it's a situation where etiquette has evolved. And there is a new standard, and that standard is that in business we really strive for a, a gender-neutral playing field, a, a playing field where everybody can operate in the same way. And I think your question perfectly illustrates the importance of that. And it can be the importance just of having the permission to perform that courtesy for someone else, that that's an important part of the social niceties that we that we all engage and, and, and employ with each other. So I would say absolutely that's a standard. And I like the way you're drawing the clear distinction between business and social life, because we definitely also hear at the Emily Post Institute how important certain gendered courtesies are to people, particularly in the social sphere. Um, oftentimes when I'm doing business trainings, I'll caution people. I'll say, you know, this might not be the best first date behavior. But when you're in the office, you really want to be careful not to impose your courtesy on any anyone else you want to and the advice we give is ask permission to perform the courtesy so a simple may i get that for you can i help you with that uh, my cousin anna who's who's brilliant um, says that it's not just about men performing courtesies for women it's about people performing courtesies for people and i really like that that standard so it's definitely something we want to shoot for we want to help everybody get there and i think one of the situations that I feel like Rachel's running into, which I can totally understand, is that she goes to open that door for someone and they're like, no, 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 like, let me do it. And you don't want to then go back and be like, that's silly. I have the door for you already. Go through. Mm -hmm. I do think it's OK. Um, you know, on your first attempt, you might try saying something like, no, it's OK. I've got it. And if they still insist after that, then personally, I would just let it go because you're right. You don't want to get into that standoff and you never know. This might be the guy who's like mother ingrained it in him and he just can't live with himself if he doesn't hold the door for a woman, whether mm -hmm. it's in business or not. Um, but if it's someone, maybe you have a team member that you're always with and this is always happening and you're just like, Jim, you got to let it go. You might say something, you know, you could try mentioning like, Jim, that's silly. I've got the door. Don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. And it's OK for every now and again for you to insist a little bit, too. Mm -hmm. But that's only if you really feel you need to. <laughs> Let's bear in mind this is just a courtesy that's happening. It's just a door that's being held open. And I appreciate the intention behind wanting to hold it for your male friends and colleagues. But if they're really being sticklers... 
And, and you know, the, the, a sort of concluding thought I might leave you with, Rachel, is I'm often traveling on business and people are often on their best behavior when they're hosting someone from the Emily Post Institute. And I have people offer to hold the door for me all the time, both men and women. And I'm usually burdened with presentation materials and, and maybe even my luggage. And I'm usually appreciative of that effort. So I think this is a great one to, to keep going, keep paying it forward, keep performing those courtesies for other people because you're, you're absolutely in safe territory, particularly in the business world of, of treating everybody the same. Dan, I have a question for you, though, because you're, you're a dude. <laughs> I am not a dude. Um, when, when you come across guys that say that my mother's so ingrained it in me, mm-hmm. and, you know, we, we get this a lot from um, p- people who live in the South and we're trained to say ma'am and sir, and up north some of us are like, uh-uh, don't call me ma'am. Mm-hmm. You know, how... How do you respond as a guy if if that's like how do, as as a guy talking to other guys? Yep. I like to acknowledge that it could be really important to someone. Yeah. And I also this is one where I bring up the platinum rule. We talked about it a couple shows ago, but it's not about treating everybody the way you'd want to be treated. It's about thinking about other people and how they'd want to be treated. And that's the platinum rule. You have to you have to take into account their standards. So even if you were raised with it and you're really committed to it. I ask those people to be aware that not everybody is raised with those same standards and expectations. And if if for someone else it's important to be able to do it themselves and to play that role for you sometimes, I think it's important to to take that into account and think about it. I was just thinking about that as you were saying it in my head. I was like, so what happens if both Rachel and the other guy who's like insisting on holding the door (laughs) both think about the platinum rule and they're both trying to let the other one do it now and now it's the opposite situation. Those are my favorite though. That's the dance. And and it is special. Well, Rachel, I hope that that helps. (laughs) Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our next question is a tough one. Our listener asks, My daughter was given a birthday gift from her three friends. They purchased a concert ticket for her, and all was well until my daughter made a very bad choice. Her choice was unsafe, unhealthy, and broke our trust. It was serious enough for us to question her judgment and lack of being able to just say no. We decided a concert is not a place for her at this time. I wanted to give the ticket back to the girls so they could sell it. My husband said it was wrong to give it back and to give it to her older brother. I feel this is not the honorable thing to do. Who is right? P.S. She celebrated her birthday at home with friends and dinner out. Okay, so she did get to celebrate her birthday. Um, this is really tough because this is a, a parental judgment call. And, yes. and you guys are divided on this, and that makes it difficult. Um, my inclination is don't punish the friends for a mistake the daughter made. Mm-hmm. And the friends, the friends did this for their friend and for your daughter, their friend. And um, 
It's a really wonderful gesture. I mean, that's that's a pretty incredible birthday present for a group of friends to get together and and make happen for a girl that they really care about. And um, my inclination would be to find a way to go to the concert with her to chaperone her there, as opposed to make her miss out on something that her friends had 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 done. You know, it's it's to me. I start looking at it as this really hits at and knocks down what these friends have done for her. Um, she did make a bad choice, and as her parents, I think it's really appropriate for you to want to discipline her. And and I totally understand to not being able to trust boundaries and and to establish boundaries around when trust is broken. Um, but I, I would go the route of trying to get another ticket or um, uh, finding a way to accompany her. Um, I I would also consider talking with the girls about if they could understand the ticket being given back to them. But I still yeah. there's something in me that just it does not sit well with my inner gut when I talk about giving that ticket to the brother or give it because that's not who it was intended for. I mean, I, I hear you on that. I, I, I wonder about it. There's the the letter of the law, the legal question. Yeah. It was a gift. Once it's given, the friends mm-hmm. no longer really have control over what happens. What happens to it. to it. That's very true. And it very was, true. There's a perspective that says at that stage, it's the daughter's to lose. Okay. And if she yep. loses it, I I I, I appreciate the, the the perspective you're coming at it yeah. from, uh, and the idea of giving it to the older brother that that feels a little strange to me. Even though I think that it's technically not wrong, uh, maybe yeah. including the friends. And I, I I liked where you were starting to feel to that answer that, out. Yeah. Maybe talk to the friends. Is there a way they can use? Is there a is there a fourth friend? Is there someone else in the group who would go instead? So the ticket doesn't go to waste. Uh, I mean, clearly, whatever trust was broken is serious is enough. Serious that enough, this and, is and if the parents really, problem. there's no question in their mind yeah. that that part of the punishment is that their daughter is not going to be going out until she earns that trust back, and that's going to take a specific set of things happening that yeah. aren't going to happen before this concert. I think that might be up to the daughter to help the parents negotiate it. Maybe she's the one who has to talk to the friends, and that's part of the way she starts to build that trust back, that she talks to the friends about why she can't go and she wants their help so figuring out It might what be to about her saying, ticket. I can't accept this ticket anymore because I have broken my parents' trust. Um, mm-hmm. I do think giving it back to the friends is – is out of if if you if we're not yeah. going to let her go if you can't go with her if you can't somehow make it work out then yes I would probably give it back to the friends I would not I would not give it to the brother giving them a chance like think so think about it if it was a different type of gift let's mm-hmm. say let's say you got a gift and and you had done something wrong so your parents wanted to punish you by not letting you have it they just give it to your sibling I mean that seems really weird to me. It, it I'm sorry, father, who who's saying give it to the brother, and, but and I'm really not on his, his side. Sense of awkwardness here about, yeah. but but the awkwardness is part of this situation, yeah. and that's why I a little bit like the idea of of talking to the daughter and yeah. engaging her in in part of the the process of resolving this awkwardness that now everyone has to deal with the parents, the friends, and and her. But no need to bring a fourth party into yeah, the mix. No, I wouldn't bring the fourth party in, but definitely a, a couple different options there. And we wish you good luck. And, and we hope that she at least did have a good birthday with her dinner out and her. <laughs> Thank, thanks for the PS that helps. And, and also good luck to the daughter reestablishing that trust. Yeah. Lauren writes, 
should hosts require their guests to remove their shoes when visiting their home? It's your house. You can do what you want, but I'm also not one to take off my shoes just anywhere. It's almost like stripping down for me. I think if you want guests to take off their shoes, you should supply indoor slippers by the door and warn people ahead of time. Thank you. You know what I love about this question is that she gets the right answer. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it actually is um, – this is a hotly – debated topic. Depending on your situation, for instance, those who have a a newborn infant where you really have to be careful about bringing too many germs in. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's good to expose your kid to a certain number of germs, Mm -hmm. build up the immunities and everything. But at, at the very, very first few weeks of infancy, it's really important to not quite get so many germs into the household. Um, I remember going to visit our cousin, Jeep and Jessica, when mm-hmm. little Carter was born and having to remove my shoes and then go wash my hands. And it's because they live in New York and the streets are pretty darn dirty. And it's yeah. really important for them to try to protect them as much as possible. Or here in Vermont, mud season. Oh, mud season will show up ruin your carpets. really yeah. carefully maintained home and you're wearing boots that you, you just can't walk from your car to the front door without, without getting without gross. A mess. Yeah. And so there's a couple different things to think of. One, if you're in something like a mud season or you know you're going to someone's home who they are a bit of a, bit of a neat nick, we'll say, and they love mm-hmm. to, to keep it really clean. Bring that spare pair of shoes that you can wear that are, you know, your quote unquote indoor shoes. Mm-hmm. But also, I, I just want to go out there and say just my opinion on it is, no, I really don't like being asked to remove my shoes in someone else's mm-hmm. home. Um, don't get me wrong. I'm very comfortable walking around barefoot or in my socks. But I think if you've invited me to a dinner in your home, I've planned an outfit to wear for it. I really don't want to have to take part of that off just mm-hmm. to enjoy my time in your place. Um, I think it's it's, uh, you know, <laughs> shoes are a part of our wardrobe. They're a part of feeling polished and finished and dressed. There's well, a reason we don't. Well, I mean, unless you're what's his name from Mad Men walking around your office with your <laughs> shoes off. There's a reason we don't do it. Well, and I like the way you're approaching it where you know that it's something that you prefer. You'd rather wear right. shoes. So you're holding the standard to yourself of then I think to myself ahead of time, I'm, I'm going to bring prepared. some shoes. Exactly. As a host, it's definitely worth noting Lizzie's perspective on this, that if this is something you feel really strongly about, that you let people know ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So people that also feel strongly about it the other way can take care of themselves. Right. And you might think about I, I I sometimes grab uh, the the slippers that you get at a nice hotel. Right, the, a light, <laughs> the, little set of slippers that you're meant to be able to carry away, and I'll keep a little collection of them. So when it is the the hard and mud season, if someone does show up in boots and they're not going to wear those around the house, you can offer them a pair of slippers. Yeah. I think it's a really nice thing to, to do if so that too. is a standard in your. And home. it's also it's it's a nice thing to have to offer just in case your guest wants to be the one to remove their shoes. If they're like, oh gosh, I just didn't bring a spare pair, and these look so horrible, I don't want to you know, track stuff through your house. It's nice to have that right there. I had, I had a friend growing up whose mother would knit these little slippers and we would all as kids, you know, you'd, you'd take your mud boots off and you'd put these little slippers on and it was it was fun and comfy. And, but, and, hostess, and hosts take note that your guests might not feel comfortable taking off their shoes. And it yeah. is a floor and floors can be cleaned. And <laughs> yes, and sometimes floors can be cleaned. Sometimes you take a hit. And, you know, if you've got a, a particular rug or carpet that you treasure, maybe you don't plan to be entertaining in that room <laughs> when people are showing up. Right. Or you, well, you, you figure out a way to make accommodations. That's part of being a good host as well. So we're going to I'm just going to take a minute and expand this beyond the, the shoe removal question. And add in that it's just like if you've got China that you really, really love, if you're so terrified that it's going to get ruined or broken or that, you know, the the 
person maybe you hired to cater your party is going to scrub it the wrong way or something, then you need to not use it. Because if it's going to cause that much angst for you, it's not something that you then want to be putting onto your guests or or people who are going to be helping you out with the service in your home. Yep. We hope that answers your question. Our next question comes from Monica via Twitter. She asks, how should a lady hold her hands when standing? In photos of Kate Middleton, she always has hers in front. Ooh. Thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to venture a guess here that if the Duchess of Cambridge is doing it, it's probably the correct thing according to English etiquette norms for royalty. You have to remember that she's a, you know, she's she's in line for the throne. She is someone who is, you know, photographed all the time. She has to uphold proper standards all the time. So she's a great person to look to, mm-hmm. but I also feel like because she is royalty and the majority of us in the world are not. She's also someone who that's probably the highest standard. So uh, use it, emulate it, but don't feel you have to fold your hands exactly like the Duchess of Cambridge does. Feel like, you know, you can, in, in most photographs or if you're standing around at a cocktail party, it's perfectly fine to not stand with your hands folded. Uh, you know, I think so, too. Yeah, well, we, we talk about all the time. Think about the Queen of England for your most formal dining standard, but you don't eat like that all the time. Right. And it, it can look a little stilted, I think, to always have your hands clasped in front of you. And you right. definitely want to be comfortable and at ease because yeah. that's what's going to make other people comfortable. And that's the heart of good etiquette. Um, sometimes when we talk about body language in our business seminars, we talk about being careful about closing off to the world, really crossing your arms or legs when you're standing it can feel defensive even the, a nice open posture standing up straight looking people in the eye being available and open those are all good things to think about uh, sort of a fun one the kennedy president kennedy used to say if you put your hands in your pockets leave the thumbs out <laughs> that right. way it doesn't look like you're stuffing your hands in your pocket <laughs> and hiding but you project more power that way somehow so Little things to think about, but I say be comfortable, be at ease, and that's going to put the people around you at ease. There you go, Monica. I hope that helps. And thank you for posting that to Twitter. I love getting questions via Twitter. You hear that? She says you're not as rude as you used to be. What do you know? We'd like to give a big thanks to everyone who sent in questions for this week's show. We really appreciate it. If you have a question for a future show, you can submit it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can also send them via Facebook or Twitter. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so we know that you want it on the show. So every now and again on the show, we like to look at the history of a phrase and where it came from. And obviously a phrase Dan and I hear a lot is, mind your P's and Q's. This question came up at a dinner party not long ago. Someone asked, does anyone know where the term mind your P's and Q's came from? We were, you know, sitting around with some etiquette people <laughs> and uh, th- there was some question about it. And, and this is a... A phrase with a few different possible origins. And the one that I'm most familiar with is that it comes from typesetting. That once upon a time when you were setting the the type in a printing press, the P's and the Q's were easy to confuse with each other, particularly because you had to to picture the thing that you were looking at backwards. (laughs) Because the way it prints, it comes out as the reverse image. And minding your P's and Q's was a reminder where the mistake of getting it wrong could be very costly. Uh, It was a reminder to those doing typesetting that it was important to pay attention to their P's and Q's. Some people think it comes from please 
P's and thank yous. So you're remembering your P's and Q's, and it's, it sort of means mind your manners generally. That's what the mind your P's and Q's is all about. So there's a common barroom myth that it comes from your pints and quarts, that it was a, a signal to those that were doing serving. I'm picturing an old English tavern mm-hmm. where you could be served a pint or a quart, and it was important to keep an accurate tally of whether someone had been served one size drink or another. So you were minding your P's and Q's, keeping an accurate tally of your serving. Um, I, I think that the most likely, the one that sounds like it makes the most sense to me, is, is from the typesetting. And that was the one that I pulled out of my hat at that particular dinner. Mm-hmm. But um, I've definitely heard the others, and generally, the Minding your P's and Q's is about minding your manners. Social courtesy does pay, doesn't it? Thanks. Each week, we like to end our show with an example of good etiquette. And today's story comes from John Poole of the Napa Valley Register, who wrote about his Halloween etiquette faux pas. John writes... On Halloween, I had to cover handing out candy while my wife was away from the house for 20 minutes. She usually dispenses the rewards to trick-or-treaters. We have a young Burmese mountain dog, Jackie, who was fascinated with this ritual where the front door suddenly becomes a constant stage of unusual ghoulies and princesses. When the doorbell rang, she would bark. I didn't want to scare the children who could see her looming through our glass front door, so I interposed myself between her and the children quickly and dispensed the rewards into their bags, keeping her at bay. Two young men were at the door, probably in their early teens, one with his head in a bell jar, appearing to be carried by a larger figure with a head missing at the neck. I was so focused on trying to negotiate the dispensation while keeping the dog at bay that I fear I was too mechanical in my greeting. After dispensing the candy, the young man inquired, But don't you see? I have my head in this jar. He was rightly very proud of his clever costume and seemed wanting for a genuine acknowledgement. I said, oh, oh, yes, and be very careful going down the stairs. I don't want you to fall. I was haunted for the rest of the evening. I had failed to give the young man his due recognition for his clever costume. On reflection, for the young man and most other trick-or-treaters, it wasn't about the candy. It was about being appreciated and recognized, and I was remiss. To that unknown young man, I now write an apology for neglecting my manners. You did indeed have a very clever costume. In fact, it was the best of all for the scores of children that visited our home. I'm sorry I wasn't more appreciative of your efforts. You deserved it, and I hope you were not discouraged by my bureaucratic response. Next year, if I'm conscripted to door duty, I'll try to be more appreciative of each and every costume. John Poole, Napa. Thank you so much, John. I I really love your apology. I love the way you're really keeping the focus on people and the interaction between people. That's really the heart of any good holiday. And I also like how, as part of your apology, you're thinking about what you're going to do next year to do it a little bit better. It really uh, rings true and and gives it a very genuine feel. So thanks so much for offering that that little reflection on a a holiday that can often seem frivolous. Well, now, wasn't that better? Look at the effect of a little politeness. That's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening. We love to hear from you. Send us your suggestions, questions, or etiquette salutes to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. If you like what you hear, subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also find us on Facebook. We're the Emily Post Institute. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore Post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. Or you can visit our website, emilypost.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Bob Wagner. Awesome Etiquette is produced in collaboration with Vermont Public Radio.
Awesome Etiquette is part of the Infinite Guest Network, which has all kinds of podcasts for you to listen to. With Thanksgiving coming up quickly, it's probably good to put some quality food podcasts into your regular rotation. Try Big Appetites with Patty Hinnich and Sally Swift. Also, check out The Splendid Table, which has a ton of recipes and suggestions for your upcoming holiday food needs. More info at infiniteguest.org.